aren't you thankful for the love of God in this place? Woo! Can't put a price on it. Can't put a certain dollar amount on it. The love of God is more intoxicating than being drunk. The love of God is higher than the nirvana you can get from a drug. The love of God is richer than any job promotion that you can earn. The love of God, it can change your life. It can alter your destiny. It can brighten your future. It can pick you up when you are down. It can lift you up when you are low. It can strengthen you when you are weak. It can encourage you when you're discouraged. Oh, I love him tonight. Love him for he is worthy. Somebody said he's worthy. The 150th Psalm, the psalmist said, praise God. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and heart. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath. Woo, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Oh, what a beautiful presence of the Lord that is here this evening. And I am just grateful to be part of what God is doing in these last days. I'm just under the assumption that we are racing the rapture. And Jesus is soon to return. And I want to take advantage of every moment, of every service, of every time I can come into his presence. Amen. We give honor to Pastor Sister Walden, give honor to Brother Jake and this youth team for putting on such a powerful weekend. Uh, grateful for all their hard work and energy and effort. Give honor to all the guest ministry that's here. Give honor to the speakers on today, and they did an exceptional job. Brother Patterson spoke to the young men, and I heard a sister Lindsay delivered her soul to the ladies, and God surely met with us. Happy that my wife is with me and my little son Shiloh, but I know that God has something special in store for us tonight. Do you believe that? I've come for more than just another service, come more than just a field time or preach a canned sermon. I know I want something from God. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open and we're going to read from two different portions of Scripture. We're going to first turn to Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 11. Just one verse, the 11th verse of the third chapter, the Gospel of Matthew. And as you're turning there, also going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verses 5 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. But let's first turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse number 11. Give you just a moment to find your place. And the Bible tells us this. It says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John said he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
Now let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. The apostle writes and states this, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Here this man of God is speaking to the young and up-and-coming minister in the faith. And he said, I perceive that this faith, it was in your grandmother Lois. It was in your mother Eunice. But I'm persuaded that somewhere it's in you also. And I'm going to call you to remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. And I want to preach to us for a little while on this subject. Stir up the fire. Stir up the fire. Could you lift your hands? Would you raise the volume of your voice? Somebody help me pray right now. Father... In the name of Jesus, God, we come to you today with thanksgiving in our heart and with praise on our lips. We are asking upon the authority of your word that's been forever settled in heaven and by the power that's in your name, you would unlock and unloose this word of the Lord. It would fall on good ground. It would accomplish that which it was sent to do. And we praise and thank you in advance for what's going to come to pass in the name that's above every other name in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus name amen turn to the person beside you look at them in, your, in their eyeballs and say if it wasn't for you come on say it like you got a Saturday night attitude and say if it wasn't for you I'll be the best looking person here Woo! you may be seated thank you for standing with me Well, in our opening text, in this third chapter of Matthew, we find that a sermon is being preached, but it's being preached by a man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a preacher of sorts, but he was not your everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill kind of preacher. He was unique. He was unusual. The Bible tells us that he ate locusts and honey. He would go off into the wilderness and he would stand and begin to declare the word of God. But when he would go out to preach, all he would wear was a leather girdle. Somebody's heard that story too many times. If that doesn't raise your eyebrow, all this brother wore, well, he got to preaching was a leather girdle. You got to admit, that's a little odd. That's a little eccentric. You got to give it that. And to make matters even worse, when he would stand to preach, he was not very polished. He was not very politically correct. If you wanted to know what John thought, you better be careful asking him. He's liable to tell you. 
He did not pull any punches. He did not hold anything back. We find him in one portion of the scriptures calling out people and saying, you men are snakes. You are vipers. He was not holding anything back. And so, when you began to consider that he wore a leather girdle to preach, he ate loca- he ate bugs now, he had honey for his diet, he was not politically correct, he was not well-spoken, you would think that when John the Baptist stood up to preach, people would not give him the time of day. You would think uh, that when he would stand and begin his sermon, uh, that people would go in the opposite direction. But on the contrary, people would come from all over. They would travel from other towns and cities. Uh, Some would even travel great distances uh, because they wanted to hear the ministry. They wanted to be touched uh, by the preaching uh, of this man by the name of John the Baptist. There was something about him. He would preach and crowds would begin to form. He would preach and multitudes would begin to follow. We see him preaching in Luke chapter 3 and verse 4. He said, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John knew how to preach with power. John knew how to preach with passion. John knew how to preach with authority. He knew how to preach with anointing and somewhere down the line somebody felt, somebody was touched, somebody was moved and they started asking around really who is this man? I've never seen anybody like him. He can't, he's getting people to follow after him. They're walking out in the middle of the wilderness to hear him preach. He's not coming in the metropolitan cities. He's not on the busy corners. He's off in the distance, and everybody is going to where he's at. How can John do this? How can he get crowds like he does? Well, as they began to talk, As they began to discuss, as they began to consider all these factors, there was a group of men that decided. This group came to a conclusion. The reason why John has such an anointing on his life. The reason why he's so powerful when he preaches. The reason why his message resonates within the hearts of humanity is because John the Baptist is actually the Messiah. There's no other way around it. There's no other argument. There's no other difference. John the Baptist, he's got to be the Christ. He's got to be the prophesied one of old. He's got to be the one the prophets preached about. We have got to know for sure. We need to go and ask him to tell us plainly. We need to know without a shadow of a doubt. John, just let us know. Are you the one? That's what's leading us to our text here in Matthew chapter 3. This group has approached him and they have kind of laid it all out on the table. They said, John, we, we already think we know who you are, 
uh, we're pretty certain. We're fairly confident of who you are. But John, why don't you just ease our conscience uh, and just tell us simply, are you the Savior? And do you know that could have been John's moment in glory? That could have been the moment he said, get your iPhone out and put this on YouTube. I, I am the Messiah. That could have been the moment the Twitter followers started flowing. That could have been the moment that his popularity soared to an all-time high. But that's not what John did. No, in Matthew 3 and 11, this was his response when they asked if he was the Christ. John said this. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, he is mightier than I. Who sues, I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Uh, he's going to do more than give you the good, give you more than good religion. He's going to give you more than membership to your church. Uh, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire John said if you think I'm anointed if you think I can stir up a crowd if you think I can flip a generation upside down hang on just a little while longer the one that's coming after me uh, he's going to rock your world uh, the one that's coming after me uh, he's going to change your spirit uh, the one that's coming after me he's going to give you the Holy Ghost uh, and fire and so John just kept on doing what he always did, kept on preaching, kept on declaring the promise and the kingdom of God. And so in the first chapter of John, we find him down by the river Jordan, crowds of people around just like they always were multitudes with anticipation and expectation people men and women that have traveled from so far they're listening right in the middle of a sermon right when John is making a point he looks up and off in the distance there's a man coming down the road and when John saw who it was he just cut his sermon short he just went on and just ended his message and pointed in the direction of this man. And he said these words in John 1 and 29. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Now, when Jesus started walking, John said, That's the one that you need to be looking to. That's the one the prophets prophesied about. That's the one Grandma told you about. That's the one we've been looking for. He's the Redeemer of humanity. Uh, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Uh, he is the chosen one. Here he is. And Jesus walks towards John. Now everybody's watching. Oh, what's going to happen? How is John going to hand this baton off? How is John going to turn everything over to this unknown individual? And when Jesus walks up to John, the very first words of it, out of his mouth, he says, John, baptize me. John, I can almost seem, I can envision it happening out in my mind. Uh, Jesus, you have dyslexia. Uh, you, no, 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 no. Uh, I shouldn't be baptizing you. Uh, you should be the one uh, that's baptizing me. You are the Savior. You are the chosen one. Uh, you are the one that created the heaven and the earth. Uh, you are the one that made the trees to grow. You're the one that makes the flowers to bloom. Uh, you are the one that makes the sun to shine. Uh, you are the one that makes the moon to glow. Uh, if you want to do anything, uh, why don't you baptize me 
And Jesus just very simply says, John, no, in order to fulfill all righteousness, you must baptize me. And I think to myself, huh, if the one who knew no sin said, I have to be baptized. If the one that never made a mistake, the one that never fell, the one that had no faults, no flaws, and no failures, the one that was sinless, the one that was spotless, if he said, hey, before I take the baton, before I preach the message, you got to take me down to the water. If Jesus needed to go, I know what I have to do. If Jesus had to be baptized, there's not a perfect person on this world that thinks they can live without it. They can go without it. They can do without it. That was just the beginning. Hey, uh, Jesus was baptized. God spoke in an audible voice. The dove, the Holy Spirit came down in a bodily form. But that was just the onset. Jesus went out and he began to heal. Blinded eyes were opened. Uh, deaf ears were unstopped. Uh, Jesus would break bread and fish. Uh, and he would feed 5,000 men. Uh, he would feed the hungry. He would help the poor. He would make the lame to walk. Uh, he even called some out of the grave uh, and gave them life back again. But while all this was happening, Jesus kept referring to about another event that had not yet been taken place. Jesus kept speaking about something that no one had participated in before. In John 7 and 37, Jesus was preaching and he said, in the last days, in that feast day, he said, you need to come and drink of the waters of eternal life. But this spake he of the Holy Ghost, which had not yet been given. He was speaking about something that had not yet taken place. He began to speak about a moment that was going to come uh, when the Holy Ghost was going to fill your heart. Uh, the Holy Ghost was going to baptize your spirit. Uh, the Holy Ghost was going to infiltrate your soul. John 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, uh, that where I am, there you may be also. John 14 and 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Verse 26, he said, in that comforter, it is the Holy Ghost. Y'all stay with me just for a minute. John 16 and 13. He said, it's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Luke 11 and 13. He said, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It was after Jesus conquered death. It was after Jesus overcame the grave when he was standing in front of his disciples in Acts chapter 1. He instructed them to go and tarry at Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Acts 1 and 8, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus said, there's something that's getting ready to take place. There's something that's getting ready to happen. There's something that's getting ready to change. You need to go and wait for it to happen. 
500 heard the word, but only 120 sought the word. You know, 500, uh, they might hear about the fire, uh, but it's not going to be everybody uh, that's looking for the fire. Oh, some people like talking about what God wants to do, uh, but there's only a certain group. Uh, there's only a certain select few uh, that are saying within their hearts, I don't care what I have to do, uh, how long I have to stay, uh, what I have to give up. I want what God has for my life. I want the promises. I want the prophecies. It was in Acts chapter 2. Y'all can go ahead and quote it. It said, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Cloven tongues like as of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can I let somebody know tonight that at the very beginning of the church, it was started in the fire. Some people don't want it no more. Some people try to tame it down. Some people try to calm it down. Try to put it down. But I'm going to tell you how this thing initiated. It started out, it was birthed in the fire. One old preacher said, if I, I was born in the fire, I, I had an experience in the fire, I, and I just can't live in the smoke. I, I can't live in the after effects. I, I can't live for a watered down experience. I, I can't live for an anemic experience. I, I can't live for a weak experience. That fire must have done something within them because on the outside there were men that heard the commotion and said these men are drunk. These men are intoxicated. These men are out of their mind. You don't say that about somebody unless they're doing something different. You may not do it like me, and I may not do it like you, but when the fire starts moving, uh, you ought to move some kind of muscle. Uh, when the fire starts moving, uh, you may shout, you may cry. When the fire starts moving, you may dance, uh, you may jump, uh, you may wail, or you may weep. Uh, but when the fire starts falling, uh, there is something that transpires. Uh, there is something that moves. Uh, there is something that ignites. Those men, uh, they said, how do we hear uh, every one of them speak in our own native tongue? Uh, it was God setting up a plan uh, that this church uh, is not for just one culture. This church uh, is not just for one color. This church uh, is not just for one creed. Uh, this church is for every background, uh, from every country, uh, for every group. And I'm looking forward to the day uh, that we can get all the church together uh, and we all start to praise God uh, in our own tongue. <laughs> Pastor Walden said, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful. I got to give him thanksgiving. I'm looking forward that, to that day uh, when every one of our people, uh, every one of the saints can come together and we have the same kind of praise. Matter of fact, tonight, if I was Chinese, I would say, oh dear. If I was Danish, I'd say, mangata. If I was Italian, I'd say, grazia. If I was Hebrew, I'd say, totaraba. 
If I was Greek, I would say Eucharisto. If I was Japanese, I'd say Doma Oregato. If I was Portuguese, I'd say Obligado. If I was Spanish, I'd say Muchos Gracias. If I was French, I'd say Merci Beaucoup. If I was German, I'd say Dankeschön. If I was Russian, I'd say Spasiba. If I was Kenyan, I'd say Ashanta. If I was Ghanaian, I'd say Madasi Mapi. If I was Zulu, I would say India Bonka. If I was Sutu, I would say Kali Boha. If I was deaf, I would... I want it. I want the worldwide revival. Give it to me. I'm hungry for it. Stir it up within me. I want it bigger than my church, bigger than my group, bigger than my culture. Stir it up with Stir up the fire. It was fiery prayer. It was fiery worship. It was fiery praise. Peter got up and started talking. You know what happened? It turned into fiery preaching. Fiery prayer. I remember when Sister Ash and I first got married. Uh, uh, she had to go to the hospital. And they said, there's a nodule on your throat. I don't know if you're going to be able to sing again. She was devastated. We prayed together. And we went to a service. And the Holy Ghost started moving. I talk about that red hot anointing move of God. How many know what I'm talking about? That move of God that does more than make you sit on your hands. That move of God that causes something to rise up on the inside. She said, I'm going up to the front. I believe God's going to touch me. I don't know who it was that prayed for her. It really doesn't matter. But when she came up to the front, she said there was somebody that laid their hand on her head. And she said she felt heat come from the top of her head down to the sole of her foot. Then she said, I felt it in my throat. It was like a fire in my throat. And after we left that service, we went back to the specialist. And they said, I don't know what is happened. Uh, that nodule is gone. Uh, that problem is no longer there. You know what that was? It was fiery prayer. We went to service and the Spirit of God started moving. I was on the platform. I just came on down to the front. Man, we were worshiping God. We were shouting. We were celebrating. And there was a brother on the right-hand side who just stood up and he started running. And he got all the way to the front and it was kind of obvious he was running a little strange. He was running like this. He got to the front and when he got to the front of the church, you would have thought somebody lit a match. People started shouting. Bobby Penn started flying. Holy Ghost started coming down. I'm looking around. Finally, one of the brothers came and said, Brother Smith, do you know why the church just responded like they, like they did? I said, why? What's going on? They said, that man, he's been coming here for years, but he's paralyzed, and he cannot walk, and he comes every service on a wheelchair. But just a few minutes ago, the man that cannot stand, let alone walk, if a sir can't run, you know what it was? It was fiery praise, fiery praise, fiery praise to make you do something. Fiery praise will get you lost in the spirit. Oh, uh, uh, my grandfather-in-law, a pastor of church in Xenia, Ohio, very uh, in a motivated church, worshipful church, praising church. 
just so happened on one particular night, Brother Boggs was leading the service, and the Spirit of God started moving. And in the service, there was a couple, Brother Denny and Sister Karen. Brother Denny was blind. And so when he would come into church, somebody would always have to be helping him to make sure he didn't have any kind of accident or have some kind of fall. So they're in service, and just normal service. People started praising God, started worshiping the Lord. And then all of a sudden, without any kind of warning, Brother Denny stood up in his seat, got out in the aisle, and began to run around the church. Now, I'm going to tell you, when the blind folks start running, you better watch out. You better pick your feet up, honey. You might get trampled on. He started running across the front of the church. Sister Karen, his wife, saw it. She went to one of those Pentecostal fits. How many know what I'm talking about? When somebody got their head jerking, that means move two seats over. Are you about to get knocked out? If you're new to this, I'll tell you what. When somebody does that, you better scoot over, grab your Bible, grab your purse. Sister Karen, she started getting out of Pentecost. She got all lost in the Holy Ghost. She just fell over in the aisle. She's laid out in the aisle. Church is going up in smoke. Brother Boggs is leading the service, but he looks out, and there's Brother Denny. He's now at the back of the church. He's running around. Then he looks over, and Sister Karen's on the aisle laid out. Well, how are you going to stop it? You can't really stop the praise when it's going like that. He's saying, Brother Boggs, he's leading. Oh, God, what are you going to do? How's this? I don't want any kind of devastation to happen. And here's Brother Denny. He's running the aisles. Sister Karen's laid out on the floor. Remember, Brother Denny is blind. Cannot see at all. He's running. Sister Karen's there. He jumps over her. Just keeps right on running. You know what that is? That's fiery worship. Fiery worship. Fiery worship. Fiery worship. I got a feeling that when Peter started to speak, he didn't have a message already planned. I don't think that when Peter got up and said, these men, they're not drunk as you suppose, seeing as but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, say it, God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I don't think he had a backup sermon. I think he just started talking. And when the Holy Ghost starts moving, when the Spirit of God starts igniting, I talk about when fiery preaching starts to flow. You leave your notes. When fiery preaching starts to flow, lives are changed. When fiery preaching... Somebody ought to throw your hands in the air and say, Lord, stir up the fire in me. You may be seated. That's how it started. Lame men walking. It was, there was such an anointing. There was such a hunger. There was such a thirst. At the Bible says when Peter would pass by, people would try to run and get in the shadow because they knew they could get healed. It was this same experience that followed the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road when he thought he knew everything about God, thought he was without sin, thought he was doing right, thought he was going in the correct direction, but God spoke and God shined a light and he had an understanding and an illumination of his word. 
It was Paul that began to build churches and develop ministers. It was Paul that would take young men with him on missionary journeys and they would watch. They would be able to see what God would do in these services. Powerful services. Miracles right before your eyes. How many have experienced it? How many have felt it before? I I know what you're talking about. I felt some of that same fire you're referring to. I'm not sure what happened from the beginning to 2 Timothy 1. But there was something that must have changed. Because we find the apostle addressing his son in the faith, Timothy. And he calls to remembrance. He says, Timothy, I know that before you were converted, it was your grandmother Lois that had an experience with God. And after your grandmother, it was your mother Eunice that had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. These women of God were touched. These women of God were committed. These women of God were sold out. Didn't care what was asked, what was needed. They were behind this 100%. And then Paul said, I'm persuaded that that same desire is in you also. But then he begins to give instruction. He begins to admonish this young man and say, Now, Timothy, I want you to remember something. That you need to stir up the gift of God that is in you. In other words, he's saying, I know it's in you, son. I know it because you felt it. I know it because your mama felt it. I know it because your grandma felt it. I don't know what it is that's trying to lock you you down. I don't know what it is that's trying to keep you at a certain level. I don't know why you are letting your gift remain dormant in your spirit. But son, I know there's more to this. I know there is greater things. There is higher places that God is trying to bring you to. In the second chapter, he kind of just goes in depth. He says, Timothy, if you're going to be successful in living for God, Timothy, if you're going to make a difference in your generation, Timothy, if you're really going to see what you're praying for, you better put your boots on and endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You can kind of correlate the two. He said, Timothy, I don't know if somebody did you wrong. I don't know if you had a mix-up or a run-in with another preacher. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost zeroing in on somebody right now. Y'all just pray for me. Timothy, I don't know what it is that caused you maybe to get a little unstable. I don't know what it is that caused you just to back off a little bit and say, no, you know what? I'm going to hang off in the distance. But Timothy, there was something I see in your soul. There was something I see in your spirit. And tonight, can I preach to somebody here today that there is something I can sense in the Holy Ghost. There is something I can just feel in His Spirit that God is trying to bring us to. A place, a certain level, if you can let me say it. A certain dimension and realm in the Holy Ghost that God is trying to get us to. But we are never going to be able to achieve it. We will never be able to see it with our eyes if we try 
I to take the approach of saying, let's calm everybody down. Let's relax this thing a little bit. Let's just sit on chair. Let's just sing one to another. Let's not have too much of a move of God. Let's not get too excited. Let's not get too worshipful. Let's not let not let too many gifts operate. I'm going to tell you where the place of end time revival is. It's in the fire of God. The fire that burns up carnality. The fire of God that burns up worldliness. The fire of God that burns up my selfish ambitions and my own human desires. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost that ignites within me. Somebody throw your hands in the air one more time. Oh, I feel his presence. I feel his spirit right now. Somebody lift your voice for me for a moment. Come on, preacher. Come on, sis. In Jesus' name, there's something in you. I can see it tonight. I can feel it tonight. It's tangible in this place. You got to stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir up them old convictions I used to live by. Stir up that old passion that once ignited in your soul. Hands raised all across the house just for another moment. Could you stand with me all across this place? In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Another moment. Let's raise our hands. We're going to follow after the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. We're going to call tonight for the ministry to come. The ministers, pastors, evangelists, youth pastors, why don't you come on down to the front tonight? I made sure it was all right with Pastor Wald, and I, I felt in my spirit, I, I've been feeling it for a while, that God wanted to call prayer line tonight. And so we're going to come, uh, two on each side, we're going to face one another. Come on over here. And we're going to face one another. The reason why I felt this so much, it was Paul that says, put in remembrance that gift of you, and stir up that gift of God, which is in you, by the putting on of my hands. Here tonight, we are surrounded by anointed and powerful men and women of God. And I wonder, I wonder, is there anybody here tonight that it's your prayer, God, stir up the fire in me? Would you raise your hand? If that's your prayer, why don't you raise your hand with me? Make it known. Hallelujah. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to line up on this. Are you that raised your hands? Why don't you come right now? Just step out of your seat. Come to the front. We're going to line up right here. Don't go through yet. I want, I want everybody to come through the prayer line. I want everybody to come through the prayer line. But if you don't want to come, we're not going to make nobody come. Hallelujah. But I believe that on this Saturday, Saturday night service, there is an impartation. There's going to be an impartation take place when these anointed ministers lay their hands on you. 
hallelujah, preachers, ministers, I want you to obey the Holy Ghost. I want you to really let God have his way. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. We're going to come through. Just stretch forth your hands to those that are already coming. Come on and lead it. Come on, lay your hand on their head. In Jesus' name, you're going to come through this line, and the Holy Ghost is going to flow. Come on, there's going to be dreams come, and visions are going to take place.
Come on, God's doing miracles and signs and wonders and delivering people right now. You don't have to wait. You fight ministers, let's, let's, find these, let's find these men and women tonight. Let's find them. Go to them. Seek them out. Let's come through. You don't have to wait. God wants to touch you right now. I'm telling you, the miraculous is taking place in this room right now. That fire is being stirred up. Ministers, let's seek them out tonight.
don't stop praying.
Thank you, Jesus. Stir up the gift. Stir up the fire. I think there's been some reminders in this place tonight. Maybe even some first-time feelings of what the church felt at the beginning when the Holy Ghost and fire started to move. But this is apostolic church. And it doesn't have to be regeneration weekend. This, this is things that happen or should be happening in our Sunday service, in our Wednesday night service, in our prayer meetings, youth service. You know what? You're not just apostolic at regeneration. You're apostolic all the time. 
And when you get in your prayer closet, stir up the gift. When you're driving down the road on your way to work or school, stir up the gift. Stir that fire up. The scripture's full of chance encounters. People, it seems that God put them on a, a path to run into somebody, to speak a word, to do a miracle. Well, God's still using people like that today. And each one of us may come in contact with somebody tomorrow that needs a healing, needs a touch, needs a, a word of encouragement, needs to know that there's a God that loves them. There's nothing that I enjoy and nothing that I love more than being part of God's church. But I want to be more than just a, a, a figure, a, a fixture, not moving, not breathing, not doing anything. I want to be that living, living stones. God's got a purpose for us. If this world ever needed a church, if it ever needed a group of people that was on fire that had the fire stirred up in them it's today we can't afford to sit back and, and say somebody else do it because the way this world's going nobody's going to do it if the church don't do it it's not going to get done but I believe God's equipped his people I think he give us enough in his word to let us know we've got what it takes to stand in this day to be the light of the world to do works that are so good that people can only glorify him he said let your light shine so people can see your works and they won't even attribute it to you they're going to know that it's God working through you isn't that something sometimes oh I don't want nobody to think it's just me if you're doing it right and it's God, they won't even think it's you they'll know it's God working through you God's been working in this house tonight you believe it I feel like we ought to just close out maybe like we did last night by taking the hand of somebody beside us and just connecting with them one more time. Just get the hand of somebody beside you. We do something around here sometimes. I saw this somewhere. It was uh, some firemen. And when they would get in trouble or about to go, one of their guys was about to go through, and he'd be, hey, you hang, hang back. And they'd be like, you go, I go. And there was one scene where this guy was about to drop off into this big fire, and he was like, let me go. I'm, you know, It'll kill you too. And they said, you go, we, we all go. And so I, I told our church, I said, that's the way the church is. We don't let go of nobody. Uh, we all in this thing together. Well, that's our strength. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, you go, I go. We in this together. And lift that hand to heaven. And let's glorify God together for a moment. again it never fails it always works when there's two or more agreeing it's established
Oh, you can rejoice tonight. You got the Holy Ghost and fire. You can rejoice. You might be in trouble. You might be sick, but you can rejoice tonight because God is on your side. I'm the wrong guy to close this thing out. I just want to keep going. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have my will, I'm gonna have his. Well I just I get to talking, I want to just talk about how good God's been to me. But I heard Sister Ashley testifying tonight reminded me of places I came from and that I, I ever thought that he would let me in a pulpit and preach his word or feel his love and then be able to love people like that and help people oh what did he see in me I don't know but boy I'll tell you he's got a lot better eyesight than you and I've got he sees the heart he said oh I know he's hmm He's tore up on the outside. But there's something inside of him. If I get to working. Oh, Well, I wish we could lift our hands one more time and thank him. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I know that some of these people here tonight, I can feel it, that you, that you know, that you feel. I don't know what he sees me, so I, there's, he can't, you, you, you've convinced yourself that he don't see nothing in you, but that's not true. What you felt tonight proves you wrong, that God's got something for you. God has proved you, if you feel like that, he has proved you wrong tonight. As he began to move and pour his spirit out on you, he proved you wrong. And that old devil's a liar. And so now you just live for God and prove that devil to be exactly who he is. Because he's going to say, you can't live for God. And you're going to say, I'm going to prove you a liar. You can't preach. I'm going to prove you a liar. You can't witness. I'm going to prove you a liar. You can't put two services together. I'm going to prove you a liar. And I'm going to prove that God is true. Praise the Lord. My, my. I want to say what a wonderful weekend this has been. Brother Doug, thank you for preaching your heart tonight. Sister Ashley for singing to us and sharing your heart tonight.
We love this family. And so thankful that God connected us and, and just gave us this ministry to be here and bless restoration. We're so thankful for those. Brother Michael been a longtime friend of ours and known him before he was preaching. Knew him before he was a preacher man. And so thank, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like we're the same age. I know he's like, dude, you're old.